Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> I'm like, I will look this up, but I'm not My new thing is lying. Her. Like, I just, like, will say, yeah, I don't really know. It's okay. Um. Men do it all the time. <laughs> Hey, everybody, welcome back to Too Many Men. My name is Allison Lucan, and as always, I am joined by one of the most principled and brave and beautiful people I know, the great from The Athletic, Sarah Sivian. Sarah, how are you? Wow, you really stepped up this time. I'm, I'm good, Allison, I'm good. I'm getting through life. And of course, we would be nothing without the brilliant, multitasking, Wimbledon, are we on Wimbledon? Wimbledon obsessed. We're, we're on Wimbledon. Shayna <laughs> Goldman. Shayna, say hi. Hi. The on ice portion of the 2021-2022 NHL season is officially complete. In six games, the Colorado Avalanche beat the Tampa Bay Lightning in Tampa to win their first Stanley Cup, and I believe it was 21 years, ending the two-year reign of the Tampa Bay Lightning. It was quite an impressive campaign for Colorado, who I think lost only four games in all of the postseason. Tampa Bay just made a stunning push, which we have talked about repeatedly on this show. But the Colorado Avalanche are your 2022 Stanley Cup champions. We're going to dig into a lot of the storylines of the game, but just first and foremost, Sarah, what are the takeaways for you from the series and about the Avalanche as a team and an organization right now? Well, first of all, I'm wonder. I need to deconstruct why I wanted to clap and cheer like the airplane had landed when you said the season was over. I think it's been a <laughs> long ass season, and I love hockey. Don't get me wrong, but like, it's been a long season, and it's been every other day, and it's been. We all need a little bit of a break, so I'm happy about that. Congrats to the Avalanche. Um, thoughts were it wasn't just like Tampa Bay being tired, old, or losing or anything like that. They put up a fight, and then the Avs, like, absolutely. It said it all, that third period of the last game to me where they held the Lightning without a shot until, like, what, 10-13 into the third period. Like, mm -hmm. they they – did their thing and they deserve to win. Kale McCarr, my column. <laughs> <laughs> Shayna, what was your takeaway just again on the on the series and on the Avs as a whole? I think we forgot what it was like to have an 82 game season. I just want to put that out there. Like, oh my God, did we always do this? <laughs> um, no, the series was really good. I think I want to give a ton of credit for the Lightning for getting this far, for the Avalanche for playing to their strengths throughout. And like Sarah said, that third period, they could have gone into the defensive shell. It was a one-goal lead, and they were like, nope, nope, we're just going to keep, you know, coming in waves. And in game five, Bednar said, like, they felt that they played safe, and that might have been what hurt them. And you could see they did not in game six. And we got to give some shout-outs because these are two teams that use a lot of data, and Avalanche, I think, are such a good example of how to construct a roster and how to construct an analytics department as well and how to let that trickle down throughout the organization. And I think it paid off. Like, obviously, they had a skilled core in place, but they figured out the right ways to tap into the skill core and find the players around them to support them. 
Yeah, for sure. Shout out to Arik Parnas and Dawson Springens who are in the analytics departments for that team. And then I want to give a shout out too to assistant GM Chris McFarland, who has just been part of the excellent leadership of that organization. I'm with you, Sarah. I was very, very impressed with that third period. I thought that Tampa Bay was certainly showing the will, especially the first goal um, by Stamkos. It was Tampa Bay that was controlling play and controlling play in the neutral zone and kind of confounding Colorado a little bit. But Colorado was able to come back. And I honestly, I want to get your guys' thoughts on this because Tampa Bay is a great team. I think they are phenomenal. I've said that this entire postseason. I've been nothing but impressed with them. But I think they knew that Colorado had the upper hand, that Colorado was probably going to win. And then they started just lashing out. You know, there's there's Manson hacking at people's legs with a stick after the play. Stamkos is shooting pucks at officials, arguably. Kucherov is throwing gloves at equipment managers. That was can I just yeah please oh go. my that, god go, go, that, go. that was wild and like okay if your stick breaks and you're on the ice you want I assume you're hoping the equipment managers have your stick that ready like you're the players who are on the ice and I get it if he was frustrated that he couldn't quickly get a stick was he trying to get their attention by throwing his glove was don't he you just need there's been too he many things with him I'm yeah, ready well, to call him dirty like yep I, yep. Yeah, I would just like to point out how emotional men are. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. He's emotional. He's not dirty. He's just emotional. And, yeah, I get it to an extent, but I'm just like, I, I want, I would, I wish that was something. I don't know if I saw any quotes like floating around. I want to know more like what, if, if he just said like, I was really fucking pissed and that's all it was. And he just like said it outright. I'd be like, you know what? I get it to an extent, but you are a professional, but like, okay, just admit it. But like, I, I just want to know what was going on in that. But carry on with the list of the things Lightning did. No, and Sarah, just on that, like, I didn't, again, there's the fine line for me between the frustration because you want to win so badly and that speaks to your competitiveness versus appearing like whiny babies. Did you like Tampa Bay's behavior in that third period? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, because... It isn't black or white, and there's a lot of gray area. Like, you see a player like Tom Wilson, obviously he's done a lot of dirty things, but it's because, one would argue, it's because he's so competitive and he, it's, like, one of his strengths. So it's, like, that situation. Kucherov, I guess, like, I guess I just, like, don't think of him like that, but then I think of the amount of instances where he's kind of done something that's, uh, he and it's like usually after the whistle too. Like I, I'm think I'm trying to think of specific examples we can maybe put in at the end of the show or whatever. But like, well, he got ejected when Columbus swept them. He got a yeah. He, he got suspended for a dirty play. Yeah. He lost a game. He could only play three of the four. Yeah. It, it like I was watching this with my boyfriend who has played in the Fed and he is always for all of the questionable hits and things like that. But he was like, wait, like we have to rewind that and watch that. What just happened? And that's just not not cool so it's not cool Nikita <laughs> well we are going to talk a little bit more about Tampa and what comes next for them after we finish deconstructing this game but when you're the champion attention rightly must be paid and there were so many important performances let's start from the net out and that is Darcy Kemper Darcy Kemper Obviously, it was a topic of conversation for a lot of reasons, um, particularly when you're going up against arguably one of the best, if not the best, goaltender in the league in Andre Vasilevsky, particularly in postseason play. Shayna, Darcy Kemper, does he redeem himself? Did he play well enough? 
What is the story on Darcy Kemper from this playoffs? Darcy Kemper turned out after game four on video on demand, decided to watch the Too Many Men live watch long and saw the new school of goalie coaching and was like, fuck, I got to change my game or I'm going to get yanked. I'm going to get pulled for a specialist. I don't want to have to be flying over the bench that quickly. And he just, he heard all of our lessons and he was like, fuck this a lot. I just need to play well. So that's what happened. Um, was he perfect? No. Was he perfect at all in this postseason? Not really. Not after games one and two. Um, we still don't know how much of this was just performance-based, eye injury. I don't know if we'll ever find that out. I imagine if it's the injury bothering him, we'll find out this is what the injury was, this is the recovery process, yada, yada, yada. He'll be good to start the season. If we don't hear something like that, then I wonder if it's not that, and it could just be his postseason play, which sometimes, like, it, it takes a little bit of experience sometimes. It takes proper coaching sometimes. It takes getting in the right mental mindset for that high-pressure environment. There's so many things that go into it. So, like, it's hard to just... I know everyone's so quick to jump on him, but I think that there's so many things there. I think he was a lot better in uh, the last game. I don't think he was tested as much, and I think that's so important, too. You know, his, his team definitely insulated him really well. And I think the biggest thing is the big-picture aspect of it, and that's that you don't need elite goaltending to win if your team is properly built. We can look back at other Stanley Cup champions and go, well, Jonathan Quick and Tuka Rask and things like that, and it helps to have elite goaltending, but you don't need it if you can be – the best team in front of the blue paint, as long as you're That is a great point, Shayna. We should scream that from the rooftops. That's like the anti-narrative. So if anybody tries to tell you that, listeners of this podcast, you can that, <laughs> oh my God, I'm, I just glitched. You can sound smart by saying what Shayna just said. <laughs> well, let's that. go again. Let's go to play in front of the goaltender. You already mentioned this player, Sarah. It was quite the week for Kale McCarr. First, he wins the Norris. Then he's on the team that wins the Stanley Cup, and then he wins the Conn Smythe unanimously, which is an impressive, impressive statement. Um, I am starting to suggest that Kale McCarr is my poster child to, to campaign for positionless hockey. Uh, what is I knew your you were going to go the rover direction. I knew that's where you were <laughs> heading with this, and I love Listen, it. Listen, I'm nothing but if not on brand at all times. Uh, Sarah, what makes Kale McCarr so special in your eyes? What is he doing to change the perception of a defender and just like just how special is it that we're getting to see this player do this three years into the league yeah I think it's what makes him so special is the positionless hockey that you say and also that he's so young and he's already had a Calder a Norris a Stanley Cup and a Conn Smythe I, I feel like right yeah uh yeah uh <laughs> I'm like, I will look this up, but I'm not My new thing Spencer. is lying. Like, I just, like, will say, yeah, I don't really know. It's okay. Men um, do it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, well, we look this up. He he also has, like, I don't want to be, he's a humble hockey guy, but he definitely has this, like, g good aura around him where it's, like, he's very sweet. He, sounds, he seems like a great, like, innocent guy. I don't know. Like, I'm a fan of him. He's a, he's a delight to listen to and, um interviews and I think that matters he's like a good ambassador for what could happen the future of hockey like it, when you watch him play it looks like you're looking at the future of hockey and like the Corsi gods are smiling upon him oh my god okay wait can confirm he won the Hobie Baker can okay. also confirm that I don't know how to type and I wrote kale make Hobie Baker and I and instead of my car I figured it out 
And no, it said, cake make honey baker, as did you mean? And then the first thing that came up was the honey baked ham company, the deli. And nothing the in what? my search is about Kale McCarr because it thought I meant cake make honey baker instead of Kale make honey, ba- a Hobie baker. It like didn't think Hobie was. It Your typos, honey. Shana. This wow. is, this is, this I is, made one typo and it's McCarr and my phone just had a stroke. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Well, Kale McCarr was certainly very special, and I think uh, it's going to be... Here's what's going to be really interesting, because, you know, people start talking about other great defenders, and, I mean, we all remember, too, even when Eric Carlson, right, was going to be the next, like, generational defender, and then he gets that significant injury in the ankle, and he's never been the same since. And so I just hope that we can see continued elite play from Kale McCarr, regardless of what happens. So I'm really hoping that this is the start and not a flash. And that has nothing to do with him. I just hope that this is what we see continue. That's all I have to say on that. Um, good for him. In terms of the play in front of the defenders, we have some really awesome stories in the forward group. Um, and let's start with this one, Sarah. Nazem Kadri is the first Muslim player to win the Stanley Cup. A very emotional and poignant time for him, for his family, for his community. It's been awesome to see that celebrated. And even more importantly, this is a player who comes back from thumb surgery, literally cannot even tie his own skates. He had to have a trainer tie his skates onto his feet. Nazem Kadri's story, how does this stick with you and what, what are you taking away from all that this player was able to do, both literally on the ice and then figuratively what it says to others out there? Yeah, the thing that kind of makes the Stanley Cup, other than on the ice, like, so hard to win is you need to have kind of an emotional stake in it. And there needs to be, like, not manufactured, but something usually happens to kind of unify a group. And I really do feel like um, a lot of the things that happened with Kadri did unify the avalanche, whether it was, like, and I don't, it's not, I don't want to talk about it like, it, it shouldn't have to be part of his story that people were being disgusting racist pigs to him. And it's not, oh, he rose above that. He shouldn't have to. And his story is great alone but between that and the water bottle incident and kind of sore loser energy he just kind of was he was so level-headed he comes back and he scored the hat trick the goal after injury and it just seems like no matter what was thrown his way he was able to persevere and make a huge impact on these games it wasn't just like he came back and was moral support like he was making huge impacts on the complexion of these games and it shows how good of a player he is and he has been and this affects the Leafs. <laughs> well, the Leafs speaking, is the important aspect. Of, yeah. I mean, that's what I was going to ask you, Shane. Speaking of yeah. affecting the Leafs, now, Kadri went on air with uh, Sportsnet after the game and did say anyone, he, he loved his fans and knew that he had a bunch of support out there, but anyone who ever doubted him, um, they could kiss his ass was the direct quote. And um, I did hear it reported later that I think it was Chris Johnson did try and get a little bit more out of him by what he meant by that. And he said, I said what I said, basically. Those are my words, not his direct quote. Um, But, you know, this was a statement performance in a lot of ways. Kadri has a reputation for getting into trouble, getting suspended, taking himself out of the game. How does this affect the Leafs, Shana? We don't know for sure that's who he was speaking about, but how does this affect the Leafs? And again, what do you take away from his ability to basically give the middle finger to everyone who's been giving him shit for so long? You teed me up perfectly because this is the direction I wanted to go. Um, <laughs> the Maple Leafs 
traded Nazem Kadri, and since then, Kadri has a Stanley Cup, and the Leafs have not made it out of the first round. So this is how it affects the Leafs, very importantly. Um, you know, we talked about Kadri a lot going into the playoffs and how he had this incredible career year for him heading into unrestricted free agency and what a huge opportunity that is because he did have something to prove to an extent because he's someone that people have questioned and to an extent rightfully so, but I think it gets magnified because let's face it, he's not a white player. And if, if uh, anyone who isn't a white player does anything, we're going to be talking about it for 20 years. Um, I think he did have you know, it was a good opportunity for him to prove like the career year he's having is the player that he is and that he can handle the postseason when the pressure rises and he doesn't need to cross the line, you know, which he has done in years past. So I think this was like one of the most important experiences of his career. And for that reason alone, and then everything else that got compounded into it just made the situation explode. But I think he should be so proud of his performance all regular season. I think he should be so proud of the fact that he was such a key contributor, you know, throughout the playoffs. Yes, there was some drama with Jordan Bennington. No, I don't think he did it on purpose. I hope Jordan Bennington is throwing water bottles at his TV the whole fucking Stanley Cup final. That is the big loser energy we love. And Kadri's there, you know, holding the cup. I think it's just wonderful. And I think it sets him up for a really interesting offseason because... I think he can really create his own path, whether he's going to go to like a lesser team that can offer him a huge check or, you know, like now that you've won, I think you have that opportunity to say, do you, do you want to go and be a part of something from the beginning? Do you want to go to the contender? Do you want to try to stay for a lesser cost? Like I'm really intrigued to see, but I think he just broke more barriers and I, it sucks how long it takes for them to happen, but they are. And I think it's a role model for so many kids watching going like, I can do that too. Absolutely. Another forward that there were a lot of eyes on. And, and this part of why I think Colorado was able to win this game was just the versatility and the depth of their forward group. They were able to move players around as others got injured. Lekkonen gets the game-winning goal on a line that he hadn't historically been playing with, and players had been moving all around. You know, there were so many great stories there. But a lightning rod for the Avs as well is someone we hope will someday be a friend of the pod, Nathan McKinnon. Uh, good old Nate, we hope you're enjoying many carbs. It was nice to see oh, you yeah. smile. Uh, Sarah, this is a player who we have heard a lot about. I think Greg Wyshynski's piece that came out after Game 6 was just a tremendous look into what he's all about and how he's built uh, mentally. But Nathan McKinnon, he drives his team. He pushes his teammates. He does get the first goal for his team. He's the helper on the game winner can Nathan McKinnon finally take a nap? Can he rest now? <laughs> yeah, he deserves a nap. He deserves one, zero, one, O-N-E. What's O? Oh. Zero. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, I can't do phonetics. Um, <laughs> one carb. He is allotted one piece of pasta that is not chickpea. One string of, not a meal. regular allotment of Not a meal, pasta. just one string of pasta. Okay. He needs to eat this out of the cup, right? Yes. Put one noodle in the cup and try not to lose it. Yes. This is the question we're all asking. But I Is he drinking been... light beers? I need to know. Yeah. <laughs> well, they were drinking champagne know. in the... Well, no, it was... What was it? But, was it Bud, Bud Light? Light and, it's and Bud Light Lufflico. champagne. Is he drinking Bud Lights now? Uh, who's to say? That's a nice diet drink. He did say he was going to get drunker than Sidney Crosby because Crosby had brought the cup to their hometown yep. and he... And he wants Sidney to be the drunkest yeah. at his party. Yeah. 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 
But in all seriousness, Sarah, what has Nathan McKinnon accomplished now? Has he cemented? There was so, yeah. There's always been kind of this, but he still hasn't done this and this. Where is his reputation? Where is his place in this league right now after all the stories and all the narratives that have existed around him for so long? Yeah, on a scale of one to did he say fuck it, he said fuck it. And he is now a Stanley Cup champion. Because I feel like so much of his game isn't necessarily scoring goals, but it actually is having this kind of mentality, right? So I get why the things have been said about him and his reputation, right? Because this is like what he is designed to do. He is designed to win and help his team win. And you could see it throughout the Stanley Cup final. He'd have like six or seven shots per game and they weren't always going in. And he had just, his zone entries were amazing the entire playoffs, I'm going to say. Like, I know that's not that big of a deal, but he set up other people no, no, to we set up. No, no, we love it big deal. We love it here. We love zone entries. Yes. I, I feel like his impact is in the little things of the game, making the game easier for those around him and it just the stars aligned where he had an amazing talented group and he and like he had been ready finally and it definitely changes a lot about what people say like I, I, he needs to be respected I love how you say that Sarah that he is helping his teammates be better and setting them up for success I think that's that's why zone entries matter. That's part mm -hmm. of it. That's part of it. Exactly. But, you know, these are some of the big narratives that everyone has been following. Shane, I want to ask you this. If there's one player that isn't getting talked about enough, one, from this Avs team, particularly in terms of significance, helping them get to this ultimate goal, who would you pick and why? Are we sticking with forwards or a whole no, team effort? No, you can effort? go anywhere you want, my dear. Okay. I'm going to go Bowen Byram. I think, I think he had... I don't, I don't even know the right word to describe his regular season. He had a really tough regular season because he came out, he played really well, he had a concussion, he came back and he wasn't ready and he had to step back. I think it's so important that he did, that he took the time he needed to heal, to be ready to return to hockey because there is the physical aspect of returning and there's the mental aspect of legitimately being ready to return to a sport that you know can hurt you and you know what it can do to your life. And he already has, unfortunately, so much experience with that. And he came back and played so well. Um, they obviously could put him in a situation where he could handle more sheltered minutes because they had McCarr and Taves take on the tougher minutes. And then you had Gerard and Manson. He became, I think, one of their most important players when Gerard got hurt because even though he wasn't the replacement in the lineup for him strictly, he was the most stylistically similar to him, aside from, obviously, McCarr and Taves at the top. And you have... Jack Johnson physically coming in for Josh Manson that you needed another puck mover on your back end to support the forward group that can play a certain way and I think he was just fantastic him and Eric Johnson and I think Johnson too is someone that deserves I a ton of credit because it's not it was not a one person one. pair I gave you it's, one. I'm just saying it's not a one person pairing but I am keeping it strictly to Byram I think too and we saw him pair up with McCarr for some shifts which was something I don't know how many coaches would be willing to do because it's too offensive talents and you know you think of offensive defensemen if you're a traditionalist and go well they're not good defensively even though if they just have the puck the whole time no one is getting anything against them and the two of them together were it was just unbelievable so I think he deserves all the credit in the world for really everything this year we love that pick we love that pick and a shout out to the head coach Jared Bednar who came in um, late in the game, late in the offseason. He had literally just signed a two-year extension with the Cleveland Monsters in the AHL after winning the Calder Cup for them. And then he gets picked to go to Colorado. They have a miserable season. It was 48 
standing points, yeah. I believe. That was when Patrick Waugh quit, and they exactly. like built the team for him, and it was not for Bednar at all, and he just had to deal with it. Yep. So he comes in, and now here he is, a coach who has won at pretty much every level he has coached at the ECHL, the AHL, and now the NHL. Um, I did have the opportunity to cover him when he was in Cleveland, and he's always been gracious, impressive, and smart. And so good for him. Um, there was a story on the 32 Thoughts podcast that I thought was really cool about. It's not certainly the first time this has happened, but that his players brought the cup to him on the ice to make sure that he got it. And I think that that says a lot. Speaking of the cup, y'all, I think we have a new land speed record for how long it took for the cup to get dented. Going into a group picture, falling onto the ice, the base of the cup has a significant dent. It was confirmed by many. The reaction shots are hilarious. Sarah, does this just up the Avs give a shit factor that they can just put a huge, massive dent in the base of the cup, not even five minutes after they win it? Yeah, it was um, Abu Kabe. How do you? Abe Kubel. Yeah, he not Kubel. His name is Abe Kubel. I have heard it just as Kubel, and it's like no. Well, there's a, a hyphen there. there. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Some I have heard commentators forget it. If there is a his, hyphen, you have to say both people. Yes, his girlfriend um, is like a little influencer, and she posted the oh no, oh no, 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 no. So I'm glad they're laughing about it. Like I don't care that they did. They're gonna fix it. Like it's no big deal. I think it's funny. Um, they were. It just shows like even. As dead as I've been at the end of this season, just kind of wanting to reset and get to the next season, it does that celebration and then seeing, like, I don't know, my our friends Emily Kaplan, Julie Stewart-Banks, and a lot of people covering it from the ice at Pete Blackburn. It was, like, pure emotion and excitement, and it kind of riled me up. So I'm glad that people are not dead inside enough to do so, to dent the cup in their celebration. Let's have some joy, please. Shayna, in denting quality per 60, where do the abs rank? Super high. I mean, that was a quick rate. I did see it. I forget who tweeted it. Like, that part of the cup gets replaced, like, every year. And it's, like, at least that got dented versus something else. Mm -hmm. um, but, no, I mean, it just it had some charm, some quirk to it. It's something memorable about it, too. Like, this is a team, too. I feel like we've talked about the abs, like, being so serious. And I think a lot of it's because of, like, McKinnon. Um so it was nice. Just everything about the celebration was just wonderful. Like the players, the the absolute joy, like everything about it was so nice. And then that, it was just kind of like the cherry on top. Like everyone can kind of exhale a little bit. Like they did it. This was yeah. such an accomplishment. I do want to say about McKinnon too. I feel like he's been kind of wrongly branded just because the guy doesn't like carbs. Um, he, <laughs> and, and because of what he said in yeah. interviews and stuff, right, about how competitive he is. And that's great. But – I have read a lot of articles about his passion for music and rap music and like underground rap music. And I think that's really cool. And he's like speaking about these kind of obscure artists. I think that's awesome. Like people need to actually not like a lot of the problem is other than no offense, but other than Peter, like kind of look at who's covering the abs and it's like all these old white grumpy men who no, don't no, really offense. know. Full offense. Yeah. Full, full of, you offense. You know what? Full offense. Did full offense. Like, Fuck Mike it. Chambers on the left hand of the cup. Anyway, I, I, um, other than that, and he has spoken up like for the vaccine and things like that. Like when that, I, he, 
I feel like he's what everyone thinks Jonathan Taves is. Like, sorry, not yeah, quite Yeah, good I point. Like, no, you're right. I wasn't calling anywhere. You're right. <laughs> it's like everyone, first of all, I think everyone puts so many expectations. Like, what has he won? And it's like, it's yeah. so funny for me because when you're a good player, the bar is here and constantly rising. And when you're just like a depth player, like people be like, but if someone calls him a crappy player, they're like, don't forget, they're at the NHL level after all. That's a huge accomplishment. And it is. But imagine you're an elite player at the NHL level. That's an even bigger accomplishment. But now it doesn't mean anything unless you win. But for the personality thing, like, everyone looks at Jonathan Taves and they're like, Captain Serious, look at him, you know, he can captain Team Canada and all things like this. And it's totally fine when he's dry and, like, he does speak up about things when it comes to the environment, but everything else he really hasn't done a good enough job with. And I think the last year really showed it. This was someone that had, you know, long haulers COVID, if I remember, did not speak up about it. Could have been a huge difference maker in this league if he said, you know what, we are playing games. We need to be more careful and avoid team outbreaks because this could happen to you. It happened to me. He didn't take that opportunity. Everything that went on with Kyle Beach, he did not take the opportunity well enough. And, you know, sure, it happened when he was young, you know, younger in his tenure. But at this point, when things were happening this year, he still didn't step up. Here's Nathan McKinnon, who is showing who he is, and he has a strong personality, and he has strong views about things, whether it's carbs or accountability for his teammates, and whether or not he's a hard-ass is is fine, but if we're talking about Jonathan Taves and putting him on this pedestal, then Nathan McKinnon should be a little bit higher than his, because I think that he isn't just acting like it or building that perception like he is it in like so many ways, good, bad, but it's the fact of the matter. I want to see him just tear it up this off season oh, and yeah. just have just the most amazing party and just celebrate. And I think, uh, you know, listen, these players are whole, whole people. They can be various degrees of interesting, but <laughs> they're not just the one thing that everyone talks about all the time. And I think we have to give the man space to show us that he is. Cause I think he is, I think he's a lot more interesting than, than just zero carbs. Uh, we're going to talk a lot more about the abs. We're going to try and maybe do some lessons learned from each of the cup contenders this season. But it is, in fact, today, Tampa Bay breakup day, when all the players and the management and the leadership comes and meets with the media and, and reveals all the things. It's going on as we record. Um, Colorado hasn't had theirs yet. They're probably still drunk, which we fully support in retrospect. <laughs> um, Please, but we yeah. did want to capture this because this was a topic of a lot of conversation in many of the games. We saw... Lightning players score a goal, go down the tunnel, never come back. We saw players leave the game, come back to the game. At one point, you know, one leaves, one comes back. It was like a clown car almost. And we thought we were going to hear a just insane list of injuries. And my friends, we were correct. I'm going to read to you the report from the Athletics. Joe Smith, who, by the way, did a phenomenal job um, covering this Tampa Bay team every year, but especially this year. Um, here we go. Take a big breath. Get a sip of water. Anthony Sorelli has a sh- had a shoulder AC joint sprain in the New York series, then had the other shoulder dislocated in the AV series. He is the one that Br- Brisbois mentioned probably needing surgery. Brandon Hagel had a foot fracture in the Florida series. Nick Paul had a shoulder AC joint sprain and MCL sprain. Corey Perry had shoulder AC joint sprain. Ryan McDonough had, this is my favorite one, mangled finger after blocking shot in New York series. All of those players are expected to make full recoveries. Braden Point had a significant tear in his quad. Will be recovered in a few weeks. Belmar had a meniscus injury going into the playoffs. Sorelli suffered an AC joint sprain and will need surgery. And Kucherov had an injured meniscus. My friends, I don't even know where to start. Sarah, give it your best shot. 
Maybe they were a little bit banged up. Yeah. <laughs> like I do have to, as much as even in the beginning of this podcast where I handed it to the Avs, I also will contest that they're not just, it wasn't like the sheer amount of injuries either. It was kind of the severity and the people that were injured. It's like a lot of people that are expected to kind of have a big impact this time of year have been playing through some pretty serious injuries. And I mean, the same goes for the Avalanche, of course, but that's a lot. (laughs) Shayna, how bad was it? Was this what you expected? Worse? Less? We saw how the Tampa Bay Lightning had to play and what their bodies were doing. Was this what you expected to hear about when the list of all the brokenness came out? To an extent, yes. Like, we saw we saw it. We saw it all postseason, the way they were blocking shots. We saw it in the way some players' games changed. I think Sorelli is a good example of that because, like, there were issues with him taking face-offs and things like that as well. Um, and it's – okay, the good, the good news is they say that everyone's going to make a full recovery. I do hope that's the case. I know, like, with a meniscus for Kucherov and um, – the thing is, like, if you're – meniscus is injured I'm thinking to Kevin Shattenkirk when he tore his meniscus in like training camp like he kept trying to play through it and then it it, like he couldn't do his regular workouts and it affected his leg strength and even when it healed there were issues with that and it weighed on his game for a much longer time than I think anyone could have anticipated like he was playing on one leg for a while and then once he starts play on two it took so long for him to get back to full strength so hopefully that doesn't happen here because I mean, anyone can make the jokes like, look, they're setting themselves up for a cap situation next year, but it's just like you don't want to see the fact that they played through these injuries like weigh on them any any way like long term or have any other repercussions, and that's like the biggest concern. And I think in some cases with the players, like point we talked about a lot, like did he help the team, did he hurt the team, was it, you know, he couldn't be his dynamic self, and now we know why. I cannot imagine trying to play through that. So it's just I think something that teams really need to think about like, are they helping themselves? Are they hurting themselves? Are they hurting the players long-term by, by attempting it when it's not even helping the team? Like, all those things come to mind. But, like, I do give the Lightning credit for everything that they did this postseason. I don't want to take that away from them. I don't even want to say, like, oh, the Colorado Colorado didn't earn this because Tampa was so injured. Like, Colorado earned this, hands down, no question about it. They have their own injuries. I'm sure we'll hear about them soon. We know about Nichushkin's foot. You know, he was walking around, I think they said, like, a bath slipper. And then we saw his Instagram picture. But it's 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 like it's the nature of the game in like the best and worst ways. Absolutely. We can't wait to hear what the abs have to report to. But um, I'm with you, Shana. I think this was this was the when, when the series got set up, we were all so excited for it and it delivered. This was some phenomenal hockey by two incredible teams who really played their hearts out and gave us just a great way to end and give us like, what, four days of rest before we go into the draft. But Y'all, we made some predictions going oh, into this speaking, series. Hold on. So last last time you made us do the predictions, I said Colorado was going to win game four, lose game five, and win game six. I did say that. And then you said, well, you had Colorado in seven. That's and I said, correct. I want to adjust it. You can't. And I picked. You well, cannot. I picked, no, you cannot do that. That is not how it well, works. Well, no, I'm not adjusting my original pick. I understand I picked Colorado in seven, and I lose on that front. But at the moment when I said Colorado, Tampa, Colorado, it turns out I was correct. So I would just like to point that out because I know I got it wrong otherwise. So let's focus on that. I don't know what why did, I keep laughing. I'm like, wrong? <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go. 
The first question we had was, would Kadri play three games? Both Sarah and I said no. Shayna said yes. Shayna got that one. We asked, would Darcy Kemper play three games? We all said yes. We all got that one. We did place some bets. Well, we placed some opinions on which group was better in terms of forwards, defense, and goaltenders. That was just more for fun. But when it came down to it, we said, what was your final series prediction? Sarah had Colorado in seven. Shayna had Colorado in seven. Allison had Colorado <laughs> in six. Like Our intrepid know. leader. I also won my hockey pool that my husband made me enter. So there you go. And me. Yes, I know. <laughs> you beat he, me. He was harassing us. See? One time, Shayna. One time. The Battle of Luke My dog won. won mine. Well, there you go. That's good. With all the humans, her whole bracket. Kona won. She beat all of us. Like, I had Colorado, but she had a better, a much better West than me. But listen, no one had it worse than, I mean, Sarah, I know you saw this. Joe Biden tweeted at the Avalanche and congratulated them on the comeback. What were they coming back from? They had the most Joe. comeback wins, but like, dude, they were the favorite Sir, all year. Stick to politics, please. Like, what are we doing? No. Mm. What? Speaking of, okay, we're not getting into politics. And no. Joe Biden. <laughs> That's another episode that stick, we're planning. Would he please Stay stick here. to politics? Do a politic. Do one politic one instead politic. of tweeting. Log the fuck off, Joe. Okay. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> fuck Mary Kill. <laughs> We also wanted to bring it back to some news coming from, again, Tampa Bay's breakup day, which is happening as we record. Um, but it was reported again by Joe Smith, as well as many others who cover the lightning, that the team expressed publicly, and Shayna alluded to this, there's going to be some really big roster decisions um, in terms of what Tampa can do to keep a group together to contend again next year. Um, they always seem to pull some magic to do it. Um, but there are three key players that are now going to need new contracts going into next year. The team has said they want to keep all three. This is three of, of the many situations and decisions that each organization has to make, and in this case, Tampa. But we're going to fuck, Mary kill three core players in terms of Tampa Bay wanting to bring them back next year. Shane, I'm going to start with you. Number one, Nick Paul. Number two, Andre Palat. Number three, Jan Ruta. Fuck, Mary kill. Let's go. I'm going to marry keeping Nick Paul. I think he is an excellent utility player. I think he showed in Ottawa he can play top caliber minutes, and he showed with the Lightning he could play wherever the hell they needed him to. I give him a lot of credit for how much he moved around the lineup, too, on a team he's not as acclimated to, and he fit in every single role. Great impact defensively, really, really strong, shorthanded, and that's something they've been missing since Barkley Goudreau, Blake Coleman, and Yanni Gord left. And while we talk about replacing depth, I think they can get him on a team-friendly deal and it can work out for them that he's like a strong middle six player without it being like the overpayments that we saw for players like Blake Coleman. Um, the fact that he doesn't have as many counting stats, I think is going to work in the Lightning's favor there. I'm actually going to kill keeping Andre Palat. Um, I love him with the Lightning. <gasps> I know. The thing is, I think a team is going to offer him a lot of money, and I understand whichever path he takes, but I think that he priced himself out of Tampa Bay, and, like, he's in his 30s, and I just think that signing a contract like that is so tricky, and I don't see how, like, it could be a business-sound decision unless he takes, like, the most team-friendly deal. And at that point, like, 
I, I just don't see it happening. And I will fuck keeping Jan Ruda, who I think they could, again, get on a super cheap deal because he's not some, like, huge name player. But he's been a really good fit alongside Victor Hedman that, like, I can't really say anything shitty about the, their defense. They seem to figure out the pairs that work really well for them, and the right side's a lot weaker, and they have strength on the left. But, like, Hedman's having Norris caliber seasons, you know, alongside him the last couple of years. Don't, you know, don't don't fix what isn't broken. My brain is short-circuited, sorry. Don't <laughs> don't fix what isn't broken, and I think that Ruda can be, like, a cost-effective player to keep. My, all my things are going back to money, but I feel like that's important. Wow, you're so shallow. <laughs> Sarah, fuck, Mary kill, Paul, Palat, Ruda. I kind of feel like the cat's, the cat's out of the bag is my cat is jumping out of her carrier. Um, I think the cat's out of the bag with Nick Paul at this point, and I think he is going to get over Like, I know... And I looked at Dom's kind of 50 best free agents, and that was just an incredible article. But I, I, he agrees with you that Paul's not going to get overpaid. But I kind of feel like everybody was watching him during this playoff run. I, I think the cat's out of the bag. But I'm so I'm going to marry Palat. I think this team is completely different without him. Like I, I think you kind of try to do what it takes to get him back on the team. It, I don't know if it's possible. But you gotta find every like exercise every option you can and look for depth out elsewhere. But I do think I'm fucking um, Paul because I, I do think it's still even if it's a slight overpay, I do think it's one of those utility guys like you say that are so essential to these runs when everybody's falling apart. Um, and I think like I think he's got a little bit more in him, and he like was kind of welcome to the show right now. Like, not really welcome to the show, but welcome to the big stage, and he succeeded. And I'm going to kill Ruda. I mean, no offense. I'm just, like, it, not high on my totem pole right now. Yeah, I match you, Sarah, this time. I mean, I think I, I can't. Plus, I want to see what crazy-ass machinations Tampa Bay pulls off to keep Palat, right? Like, that's part of the fun of this is being mad at Tampa Bay, figuring out something else again that gets them to keep the players that they want to keep. Um, I'm also going to fuck Nick Paul, and I think it's because he is a valuable player, but because this is, we've seen this happen, right? And people have known about Nick Paul in Ottawa for sure, but this was more of an official coming out party for him. And I think, again, like you said, Sarah, he can be attractive to a variety of teams. So he just might be, he's, he's the one that's easiest, I think, to pull away, if you will. And so I think that we might see him somewhere else. And therefore, because I have one choice left, I have to kill Ruta, and that's it. So there you go. All right, my friends, we are going to be back with a full Chock-A-Block news episode in a few days. Um, but we congratulate both the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Colorado Avalanche on tremendous seasons. Um, and we say, in particular, shout out Nathan McKinnon. Have some carbs. We're happy for you. <laughs> Did I miss anything, Sarah and Shayna? No, we're good. Love ya. I didn't even say the wrap-up yet. <laughs> oh, Sarah. Chop, chop. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. We'll be back talking to you soon. If you want some cool Too Many Men merch, you can always get that. The link is in our Twitter bio and on our website and in our show notes. Our website is toomanymenpod.com. Please follow us on Twitter at two underscore much underscore man. We are still in Pride Week, and now more than ever, we support those to love who they love, however they want to love them, and be true to who they are 
in and of themselves and maintain control over their own bodies as they so choose. Until we talk again, be good to one another. Love you. Bye. Thank you.